0: What's up, everyone? This is Must Go Faster, a pop culture podcast for the people. I'm
1: your co-host, Ben Brantlinger, broadcasting from Brooklyn. And down in the sunken place, eating a mushroom omelet, I'm Robert (laughs) Denfeld.
0: (laughs) Nice, nice. So our last two episodes, we covered uh, the best in TV and music. And you knew we weren't gonna leave out film, of course. Movies, or movies, yeah. Finally, yeah. happy <laughs> 2018. By the way, maybe I should have went yeah. with that. Happy but New Year. Our first episode of the new year. Um, this episode will kind of cap off our best of 2017 content, but I think this is the one that we're probably most mutually excited, excited for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's no, it's no secret. The buildup has been palpable. Oh, totally. Everyone's talking in the streets <laughs> of Brooklyn are buzzing right now, yeah. um, for must Go faster <laughs> top 10 movies of 2017. Yeah. So we're each going to rank our top 10. Um, and you know, we have similar tastes, I would say, particularly when it comes to movies. So yeah. you'll notice that there are, uh, some overlap between the two of us, but it is what it is. Um. Sue us. It's our podcast. Right. And these are our 10 favorites. I mean, yeah. and- we wanted
1: to be honest with ourselves and give our legitimate lists, uh, mm-hmm. you know, of our 10 favorites. So, yeah, it's not necessarily the best. You know, we're not saying these are, quote unquote, the best movies of the year. It's just our favorites. Subjective, and- ultimately. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're
0: not, you know, the authority of, like, this is the definitive list of sure. our time. But, uh, <laughs> right. This is, you know, it's our opinion, and I think, uh, you know, we're, of course, for each of our picks, going to, you know, state our case for why it deserves to be on our list yeah. and why um, it's there. I would say, you know, just kind of in looking at uh, 2017, the year in movies, mm-hmm. um, very strong year in a lot of ways. I mean, just comparing my top 10 of last year, for example, to this year, uh-huh. especially just kind of one through 10. Right. Um, is it's just the better year yeah they very clear
1: there were a remarkable number of very good movies this year maybe maybe not quite as many great movies as previous years but the the volume of very good movies was extremely high and it it made this list quite difficult to come up with just trying to decide you know what did I like more than what and you know it's it's a bit sort of ambiguous and and kind of difficult at times because there's so many factors that go into how you feel about a movie, especially most of these movies. I'm sure this is true for you as well. I've only seen once. There's only mm-hmm. there's only one movie on my top 10 list that I've seen more than once. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's difficult to remember exactly how you felt leaving the theater or, you know, mm-hmm. factors such as like, you know, how was the theater experience? Was it crowded? Was the audience into it? You know, uh, some of these movies I watched at home. Uh, who were you with? Like, how were you feeling that day? Like, all of these little things go into it. So, I mean, once I watch all these movies again, perhaps this my list will be in a different order. But, yeah, I mean, it's just difficult to, to order these things.
0: Yeah, and I think the year in movies of, you know, it's 2018 now, but talking right. about last year. I mean, it, it started out super strong with something like Get Out, which I uh-huh. think came, you know... Was
1: in released, February... Like,
0: Yeah, in February. And then just throughout, I mean, I remember it being just a really strong summer where there was like a six-week period Uh where, um, you know, we were getting, it was like Wonder Woman, Baby Driver, The Big Sick, Dawn of Planet of the Apes, Dunkirk, you know, just uh, at another level as far as like blockbuster entertainment. Right. Um, And then, of course, you know, this Oscar season, which is typically, you know, the time of year where the most quote-unquote good movies are released, um, is is really strong. November, December. Totally, and, you know, there's, of course, a lot that's going to be on our list from that era, but also uh-huh. just throughout the year. I think it's, like, I think that's kind of, a, you know, an example of how strong this, this past year was. Is yeah. That a lot of my, it goes, like, throughout the throughout year. Throughout the year. Together. Totally. It's like, oh, these were all re- released, you know, October through December. Uh-huh. Um, there's some that were, you know, in the early months, in the summer, later, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's just really great year, and, you know, what's been interesting is, like, I read that this is, I believe, the lowest movie theater sales have ever been in the last 25 years. 2017 was. and It's very interesting. I, you know, I I think ultimately that's just um, the reason for that. It has nothing to do with the quality at all. It's just right. the natural outcome of people having more choice than ever. Yeah. Uh, more reason not to leave their couch than ever before. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. So much Going great to the, TV.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just with TV, TVs in general as a media, you know. Getting, well, yeah. And a lot uh, of people feel like
1: I can just watch this movie in two months on Netflix or on HBO go or whatever. I can yeah, red box
0: it. You know, I don't need to go sit in the theater for three hours. It's, there's not as much as urgency of like, Oh, I need to see this opening weekend. I mean, yeah. you and I stand out definitely like where we love going to the movies, <laughs> right. that opening weekend and that feeling for so many reasons. Definitely. But I think going to the movies has almost become a, a niche, like a niche activity. Uh-huh. Um, it, doesn't feel like that in places like New York and LA where we live but in right. most parts of America it it is and yeah. um you know that's just it, it is what it is but sure. uh i just wanted to comment on even though theater sales were down uh, i don't think i honestly don't believe that has anything to do with the quality
1: no i don't think there's any correlation at all because i think it was a as i said a remarkably good year in terms of the just the the number of very good movies and, and i i had to write down movies that I saw and, and start to, you know, order them a little bit. And I ended up just making, you know, we're only going to present our top 10 lists here today to you guys, but I wrote down my 11 through 25 and I made my complete top 25 list just for, you know, for the reasons of just sort of organizing the thoughts in my own head and starting to move things around a little bit. But then I also just wanted to sort of like, get them down in writing and be like, okay, this is represented, you know, I'm not going to leave this out. There were just so many, I mean, my list of 25 movies, I feel strongly are all legitimately good movies that I enjoyed a lot, you know? So a
0: week from now it could change your top 10 could change completely. If I see, (laughs) if I see these (laughs) movies
1: again, and which I will, I'm sure most of them, um, yeah. yeah, I could have a completely different feeling about, some of them but yeah um yeah there were a lot of movies that were very well received by critics and the general public which i think is kind of unique and not often not always the case um Mm -hmm. like get out you know ladybird those those types of things they were they were loved by critics and audiences alike
0: yeah and a movie like dunkirk a lot of the summer blockbusters that got Uh really strong uh you know, critical ratings, I think, did really well with audiences, um, yeah. too. Uh, so, yeah, I think definitely a year where you saw more of that um, than past years. I wanted to ask you mentioned before we started uh, recording, <laughs> you had some quote unquote data analysis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looking so, at some, yeah.
1: <laughs> I did. Yeah, let me present. I did a bit of, uh, I'm calling it investigative journalism here, uh, a little data analysis and gathering. Um, So basically, I I started to Google, you know, top 10 lists, various media outlets and stuff, and then I was like, huh, I should, you know, just start writing down which lists I'm looking at so I can keep track of it, and all of a sudden, I was like, well, maybe I should start tallying what movies are in a top 10, or or," I, I ranked it by number one, two through five, and then six through 10, so I actually looked at 35 top 10 lists, or top... Top ten, top twenty, top twenty-five, but I was only keeping tallies for the top tens, you know, just so I could sort of keep track of what people are are liking and what you know showed up most on people's lists, et cetera. Um, And I gathered that seventy-five movies appeared at least once on a top ten list this year that I Mm -hmm. looked at thirty-five lists in general. Um, A range it's a huge range. Like I, 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 don't, I've never done this activity before, uh, you know, this first year of podcasting, no reason to do it before now, but um, I just yeah. found it interesting. I, I started to gather and I was like, wow, this, okay. I've never even heard of this movie. It's on, you know, it's this person's top five list. And uh, it was just remarkable. So I, I counted it and I saw 31 of those 75 movies, which, you know, so that just shows you, but I, I probably saw about 50, I estimate 50 new movies this year Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah just a lot to choose from and it made a top 10 list pretty difficult and like you said last year we did our top five list on our very first podcast last year and I I didn't really struggle at all to make a top five list last year it was a lot easier did you feel the same way?
0: Yeah, we were also. I remember did that like right before Oscar season, where right, so it was it a little became more, more crystallized, yeah. of, of like, okay, these are kind of the consensus, right, best five movies, and that kind of helped inform our lists Um, since we're doing this, you know, Oscar nominees haven't come out a lot. All these top ten lists and whatnot have come yeah. out, but. Uh, yeah no i but i do i do i do agree with that as well uh-huh. um so yeah no that's interesting the just that sheer range and i would i would bet that that's a bit higher than it's been yeah, like in other it, years i and, would i would think so i mean i probably re- i didn't do uh data analysis <laughs> no. degree but i probably Good read for you. <laughs> 30 different uh top 10 lists as well right so i mean i it's no yeah uh, surprised that we've no love loveless. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially end of the year list. So that's why we're doing one of our own. So, um, yeah, let's get into our Let's our get top into 10. it, man. Um, this is going to be really fun. Say, I'm excited
1: to talk about these movies.
0: I know. I'm already perspirating. Yeah, uh, yeah. I meant to let our best one. Yeah, it's a, it's a sign of the excitement. So, just the criteria really quick. Um, so, yeah, like we said in the beginning, you know, art, whether it's uh, music, TV, movies any sort of art form is ultimately you know um based on subjective personal taste so yeah we're not saying that this is you know these are the objectively the best or anything like no. that but these are the movies that moved us the most yeah the ones that we think were uh the most well made um mm-hmm. just from other you know every way you can judge a movie mm-hmm. what you know just compelled us and was engaging and a really uh-huh. an experience um so yeah i think before i get into my my number 10 um a few movies that i still need to watch of course we weren't able to see everything but you know call me by your name the shape of water the florida project there's a few others and those i think are going to you're going to be hearing a lot about over the next um, month or two leading up to the oscars um i have not watched seen those and you know i imagine maybe a few of those were if i did had seen them would be on my top 10 list but you know, we're not paid to see movies. Uh, <laughs> we do this all on our on our free time. So couldn't watch it all. Yeah, yeah. You so can't see everything. Just wanted to to leave that as yeah. a disclaimer going into it. So I will
1: also mention the Florida Project and also I, Tonya, I haven't seen, oh, yeah. and that's getting a lot of buzz, a lot of Oscar buzz probably. Best actress. We'll get a, yeah, Robbie. Uh, Margot Robbie. And this documentary called Faces Places, I don't know if you've heard of that. That's that's really high on my list that I'm, I haven't been able to watch, mm. but I'm definitely going to check that out soon. Word.
0: So my number 10 kicking things off yes. is The Post, by yes. Our boy, an up and coming filmmaker, Steven Spielberg, is going to have yeah. a big career. Uh, so, we actually experienced this movie together. when yeah. we were both the um, only movie um, this year we Christmas saw together. Break. Yeah, yeah. So, I, that probably gave some bonus points. <laughs> nice. um, I could have hated this movie. It was just the fact <laughs> that we saw it together. No, but uh, That's uh, nice this is, you're um, <laughs> right, right. We're having a moment. Uh, <laughs> this movie. Um, just to give you a quick plot background, it takes place in the early 70s when uh, Nixon was president in his first term. and It's basically the story of the Washington Post uh, breaking the pentagon papers which essentially revealed to the american public that the u.s government had been lying about the vietnam war for several decades this was a really interesting time in the landscape of like journalistic powers sure the post was kind of viewed as a smaller paper the new york times dominated with all the investigative reporting right and you know it was basically them and everyone else and it was this story about the decision to, you know, obtain the Pentagon Papers and release them, uh-huh. along with Watergate that propelled them to the top of where they've kind of remained ever since. Right. And what I really, really liked about this movie, and it's similar to all Spielberg's films, is that it's kind of entertainment for the thinking man. It is a mm. crowd pleaser in a lot of ways, uh-huh. but is very smart and well done right. and not cheap and just has like that nice combination of of smarts and entertainment, yeah. um and you know, presents so- a, a
1: historically nonfiction
0: story in an entertaining way totally yeah you could have made this movie fairly you know boring in a sense mm-hmm. but uh if it, it flies by I mean I think it's about two hours but um has really good pace to it and yeah you know there are so many name actors in this movie you can tell it's a case where I'm sure just like so many of them were like oh it's a Steven Spielberg movie yeah I'm in like don't, that, I don't even care totally
1: about totally and,
0: you know Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, their first movie ever together. I might add. Oh, interesting. Headline I didn't it. Know that. Yeah, headline it, and but it also has you know Bob Odenkirk, who you know from Better Call Saul Breaking Bad, uh, Carrie Coon, who's in Leftovers and Fargo, Carrie. Sarah Paulson, Allison Brie, Jesse yeah. Plemons, David yeah. Cross, Zachary Woods, just like so Star many studded. like yeah, it, you know just like who's who of great character. You know a great sample. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, you know, this movie, there's the very obvious, I would call them sub tweets about the Trump administration that are pretty obvious, but it's <laughs> yeah. not, How can you? I wouldn't say it? it's like too preachy or heavy handed no. in that sense. No. Um, and I, I really love specifically the way they treat, um, Nixon and mm. kind of shoot him from the distance on the phone while he's in the white house. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, just, yeah, really, really just like delicate how they, they did that. And um, you know, towards the end, these close-up shots of of the papers finally being printed and the machinery that's used, these like blocks of these chunks of granite, and uh-huh. typewriters, and all that stuff is just—I don't know—it was that, that was, was like cool to see. A sequence of of Spielberg, um, kind of showing off his his camera work and how he sees stories visually. I love and how it, it's made, and that totally. it felt like an
1: episode of How It's Made watching oh, yeah, the yeah, newspaper yeah. being printed, how it's made. It yeah. Cool. yeah.
0: And it just also reminds you of just how much physical work it was back then to do these kind of stories. Uh, It reminded me of like Spotlight in that sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely Uh, newspaper movie a few years ago. Yeah. And it yeah, it just it overall just really satisfied my kind of increased appetite and interest for political dramas over the last two years. Cool. I don't know why I've gotten interested in politics. Nothing's really happened. Yeah. In the last two years. <laughs> yeah. It's just, weirdly, I've become, uh, uh, you know, obsessed with it. <laughs> it's definitely um, a
1: movie for this time and place. Totally. So yeah. that
0: that is my number 10 nice. The post. Um, Rob, what is your what's kicking off your list here?
1: All right. So this is a fun one. Um, I'm going with Thor Ragnarok, directed mm. by Taika Waititi, the uh, the Great New name. Zealand New Zealander. Um, yeah. So this was my favorite comic book movie of the year, uh, mm-hmm. hands down. Uh, you know, comic book movies are such a such a staple in the movie industry nowadays they're the most popular in terms of financial success popular genre yeah yeah i mean we are living the comic book era of film like we are in it so i mean we have been for the past decade but so it just felt right to include my favorite comic book movie of the year Mm -hmm. as my number 10 um this movie is so funny and it's just like a damn good time in the movie theater like it's <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. super entertaining um, it never takes itself too seriously even in like you know quote unquote serious moments it just with felt villains. like yeah, yeah. yeah it felt like the right mix of authentic drama and none of this really matters so let's just have fun with it you know like and that's what I I want all comic book movies to be is just embrace the fact that none of this is real and it's just (laughs) fun and silly and you know it looks cool and it goes boom you know (laughs) like yeah uh the everything about this movie i loved like the direction was great um there was a lot of comedy to it as i said and the cast if you look at the the cast on imdb it's really like a who's who like a an a-list a plus list cast chris hemsworth jeff goldblum kate blanchett uh you know sir anthony hopkins uh tom hiddleston like just a really ge- great cast um well, i mentioned can't... you go ahead i
0: think you left you left out someone quite prominent there. who jeff goldblum yeah did you No, say i said i said oh yeah. okay his character right.
1: was outrageous i think i said it uh, <laughs> yeah, his character okay. was Bowled so down. outrageous and fun um yeah. yeah there are a few other big name actors in there uh but yeah, so the, the character played by Taika Waititi, the
0: director. Over here. pile of rocks waving at you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually a thing. I'm a being. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Korg. I'm kind of like the leader in here. I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. <laughs> Just a little rock, paper, scissor joke for you. Shout out to Cork.
1: Yeah, he plays this really like kind uh, character in the movie, and just brought a lot of like genuine heartfelt uh laughter and and uh emotion to it but yeah I, I just had so much fun with this movie and it it caught me off guard and the last thing i'll say about it was um there were two great action scenes one at the beginning and one at the end set to led zeppelin's immigrant song which is extremely uh hard to achieve uh, the rights to a, a led zeppelin song um Apparently came oh, yeah. at great effort and a great cost. Shout out cost. to the music,
0: yeah, the music supervisors for pulling yeah. that off. Yeah, so
1: they pulled that off, and both scenes just rocked, and I love Immigrant Song, so
0: yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. cool. I was going to say, yeah, I think it was a really cool decision by Marvel to have a director like What TT do uh-huh. this. Um, I know he did, a few years ago, this movie called What We Do in the Shadows, which yeah. is essentially Spinal Tap, but for vampires, uh-huh. um, which is... Uh, You know, and uh, Spinal Tap is one of my all-time favorite comedies, and its I I just think it was cool to have someone with his kind of comedic sensibility come in and disrupt this franchise of Thor that I think was kind of an afterthought before this, and Mm. this kind of, like, really uh, just took things to the next level and made Thor, like, one of the more desirable characters yeah the the mcu yeah to me
1: (laughs) this was my favorite of the three i i didn't really enjoy the second one the dark world i liked thor the original yeah yeah but (laughs) this one it it just brought everything together and i've always liked chris hemsworth as thor i thought he does a really good job in that role but yeah i i love this movie very fun
0: word so my number nine Is Jim and Andy The Great Beyond, which is, I would say, my favorite documentary that I saw in 2017. Directed by Chris Smith. So okay. this is about the filming of Man on the Moon, which was that 1999 biopic about legendary comedian Andy Kaufman, in which Jim Carrey played the lead role. And basically, uh, Jim Carrey had archived hours and hours of behind-the-scenes, kind of like fly-on-the-wall footage yeah. of of him um, performing this role and on the set. And the doc basically cuts between that footage and then an interview with Carrey at the present. Um, so a couple of things about this, this doc is, so one thing, Universal, which is the studio, they didn't want this footage to surface at the time in the nineties because they didn't want it to damage Jim Carrey's reputation. He says in the documentary, like, they didn't want me to think I was an asshole because and this is (laughs) at a time where he was, yeah, was the most famous and successful stars in the world, like at the Uh peak of his powers. And, you know, when I say that Jim Carrey method acts, this performance of Andy Kaufman, like he... Daniel Day Lewis's. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Embodies uh, Andy Kaufman 24 7. He, at he home. even says, yeah. like, yeah, like, I, it, yeah, in between takes, like, literally 24 7, he was uh-huh. Andy Kaufman um, in every way you can imagine. Right. He said, he said the way Carrie presents it as, like, Jim was gone when I decided to go this. And, you know, uh, some of that is, like, kind of just pretentious. Like, what right. no, are you trying to take seriously? But you watch the footage and you're like, wow, this is as method as I've ever seen someone go into it. Yeah, um, You know, and it has, like, you know, he gets into trouble with the studio, like I mentioned, co-stars and the director mm-hmm. with, like, these antics. And, you know, kind of a, the strongest example of showing kind of how much he became Andy Kaufman is there are these scenes of, um, Andy's family members, you know, he he passed away, um, canceled, you know, several, several year, years ago, I think in like the early 90s or late 80s, I forget exactly when, but when the family members come on set, they see Jim in character, they're like in tears, it's like right. he was brought back from the dead. It's like and he's here like, with this us, is, yeah. Yeah, which is like pretty powerful. That was touching. And, yeah, and you know, in the interviews that they cut back and forth with Jim Carrey in Modern Day, I mean kind of what he's, some of what he's saying is borderline insane, but it's also like very insightful and revealing to him his mind and how he yeah. uses his career. It was very striking to see someone who was once so beloved and popular, so talented, speak mm-hmm. so candidly about this. And mm-hmm. you learn too, like that Carrie figured out early on his career, how to like manufacture it to maximize his popularity. He was mm-hmm. basically claiming that he was playing a part all throughout his massive rise in the nineties right. and he describes how his roles were a reflection of how he felt about his place in society at that time. So like yeah. when he did the Truman show, like he really felt in his real life that he was living you know, a world where everyone was tuning in to what he was doing yeah. and everyone else was playing a part or that's gotta be ma- a dark,
1: scary place. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, or The Mask. I mean, I also thought when Truman Show came out for about a year that I was on tr- – I think that's like a natural uh, – <laughs> Yeah,
1: result
0: of that. But, um, love that movie. The Mask, Liar, Liar. He uh-huh. said like all these choices were partly East made Ventura. because of like how – Yeah, he felt at that time how he was viewed in like, you know, yeah. real life society. But right. overall, I was just really struck by this documentary. It was moving. Um, and I love yeah, Man I, on I, I the Moon. I loved totally. that movie yeah. when it came out. Yeah, yeah, definitely made me want to rewatch it. Yeah. And um, sidebar, Jim Carrey has also become like a pretty extraordinary painter. I don't oh. know if you've heard about this. He has hmm. this video called I Needed Color that's on Vimeo. Okay. Dude, dude's dude got talent. Uh, yeah. Check that out. And it's pretty, it's like a nice, um, uh, it goes nicely with this doc to watch cool. that before cool. or after. So Good recommendation. That is uh, my number nine, Jim and Andy.
1: Nice. Well, I'm That leads in perfectly to my number nine, another Netflix release this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going with The Meyerowitz Stories, New and Selected, which mm-hmm. was written and directed by Noah Baumbach. Um, and so this movie was released on Netflix on October 13th, and it's really just like a small story about family and, you know, familial relationships and struggles and complexities and sort of how a parent can influence their children's lives and how, how sort of deeply uh, emotional kids can get about reflecting about their parents and, and just all sorts of, uh, you know, family structure stuff. And I just was really struck by this movie. It completely, it completely caught me off guard. Like I, I started watching it actually when I was at my mom's house over Christmas and um, I started it on my computer. Naturally, you know, Netflix movie. I watched it on my computer. Not not recommended. Like if you if you can watch <laughs> it on TV, that's better. But uh, I watched this one on my computer in bed, and I started it at like twelve thirty at night. Just thinking, yeah, I'll just see if I'm I can get into this. And you know, I was on West Coast time on the East Coast, so staying up late. And I was so wrapped wrapped up in this movie from the very first scene like the movie starts out with adam sandler trying to park in (laughs) park his car in new york and he's just like getting so frustrated and it's hilarious and you know he's trying to like teach his daughter life lessons while he's trying to find a parking spot and i was like okay i'm in this movie is really good already um so yeah i mentioned adam sandler the cast is really great um adam sandler dustin hoffman emma thompson uh, ben Stiller, and then Grace Van Patten and Elizabeth Marvel, who I haven't seen a ton of, but you you may recognize them from other things. Uh, just a really great ensemble cast and some really touching and heartfelt performances uh, throughout the movie. And yeah, I mean, I just highly recommend this movie to people. It It really struck me as just, I don't, I don't know. I like these types of movies that are the kind of small, like feel very could, human. Yeah. Human drama. You could call it like quaint, you know, it's like unsubstantial in a way, but it also is very substantial for the players involved, you know, like the people involved in the story, it's everything, but it's kind of just a small in scope story. Um, yeah. I mean, I just loved it. Uh, I love the way it ended. I won't, ruin that but i thought it was sort of ambiguous and and tied it it managed to like summarize perfectly the point of the whole story and i i just really liked that um yeah you had andy and jim or jim and andy from netflix uh i wanted to mention in this category while i have a second uh mudbound and Oakja. uh i'm calling this the great netflix trilogy of 2017 (laughs) um there were Two other movies that are in my top 25 on Netflix. Um, I chose my favorite, The Meyerowitz Stories, New and Selected, but I really recommend Mudbound and Oakjaw also. Nice,
0: nice. So this is actually yeah, kind of some nice dichotomy with my number eight, going from a movie that was kind of smaller in scope to kind of the biggest scope imaginable. And my number eight is Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Nice. Now, this is a controversial pick. I know that. There are people <laughs> right now thinking this guy what? ben is a moron i hate yeah. this movie why is it no but some 10? people are
1: on some people got well, you back
0: oh well, yeah it was also 94 percent on ron tomatoes and yeah. actually it's a pretty great movie and i'm about to state my case so it is buckle up yeah. um so the first viewing i had of this of course saw it opening weekend and kind of my gut reaction overall was that was good but just very messy and i don't really know what i thought of it 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 was just different and felt off in a lot of ways but when it was good it was great um so I took like a week or so before I saw it the second time and kind of the more I thought about it, the more I kind of admired the choices that the movie made. Mm -hmm. I admittedly read a few convincing reviews and blog posts about why this movie worked that were very persuasive, I would say, and started making, you know, made me just kind of second guess some of the criticisms I had at first and kind of like getting on board with really what director Ryan Johnson wanted to do with this movie. Um, so I saw it the second time and I would, my, basically my reaction leaving was still messy, but that's definitely the third best overall of the entire saga. I would say, Okay. you know, there's yeah. Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, and then The Last Jedi. I actually I thought, am standing by that.
1: I actually thought it had some of the best moments of the entire series. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to yeah. get into
0: that, uh, <laughs> right now. Okay. Okay. So Um, a lot, a, happens in this movie and I'm not for the sake of time like, I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to get fully into it right. but there are as you said moments that rank as great as anything that Star Wars has ever done in this mm-hmm. everyone who cares about Star Wars has seen this movie by now so I'm just going to do some spoilers okay. um, the throne room scene uh, the way that's staged and directed and kind of what it means to have the hero and villain temporarily team up like that uh-huh. with like the hellish set design of like the deep red and the ballet like movements yeah. of the Leipzig battle that was so cool it's just so so freaking well done and awesome and, and the just,
1: tension the tension between Ray and it. and Kylo.
0: Oh yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, the telepathic communications between those two characters uh-huh. leading up to it, I thought were it was like really easy to screw that stuff off. Uh, that stuff up. <laughs> yeah. But I think they just handled it really, you know, delicately uh-huh. and it was very convincing. It just was really great. So writing well, there. yeah, totally. Um, the kamikaze via light speed scene that oh, I think yeah. occurs right before the throne room purple haired Laura Lord Dern yeah. oh yeah shout out to purple haired Laura Dern just the use of silence and visually the oh, way man. they shoot those <laughs> ships breaking I mean you hear gasps <laughs> yeah. in, in the crowd just like did you see someone when uh, yeah. you saw someone was like would they say they, like, they so talk? it was this
1: lady in the back she was like oh my god and <laughs> when right. that when the silence fell in space and yeah. the, I, like i chuckled and most of the theater was like <laughs>
0: right. yeah, cuz it is it a good when moment. we say silent like you could hear a pin drop yeah. in that scene <laughs> um the final battle scene on on crate the Planet of Crate, yeah. which I, it was like super cool with like the red sand uh-huh. and just with that all the different vehicles and just the way that that was shot. That third act in general, I would put up with anything that Star Wars has ever done. Yeah. Um. So this movie, you know, Kylo Ren played by Adam Driver. I think he's a fascinating villain. You know, he's this brat hothead, but he's also really complex and uh-huh. just like a great villain and is mm-hmm. interesting. One of the better villains in, in recent movie history, I would say. Um, Ray is played by Daisy Ridley. She gives a great performance. I think she's like the perfect foil for Kylo. Right. And yeah, just Ryan Johnson's direction. I mean, he just like a very precise vision, mm-hmm. unafraid to go in bold directions with these characters, pushes the boundaries visually. His writing kind of thrusts the franchise into new territory. Definitely. makes makes the audience feel uncomfortable, which, by the way, is a good thing. I know. You know, it, it's not people like. I, so let's just talk about Luke for a second. And I'm, I'm only going to do a few more minutes on <laughs> okay, this. Anyway. Okay. I don't want to hijack the pot here. But sure. people you know, are very upset with some people with the way Luke was handed, for example. Mm-hmm. And it's because they have this very specific idea in their this head vision on how of Luke's character is, yeah. how he should still behave because they grew up loving him. Right. They're emotionally attached to them. I totally get that. But if you want to move this franchise forward, yeah. you have to do new things blaze new trails. As much as I liked Force Awakens, that movie was basically reintroducing the Star Wars franchise and reminding you of why you love Star Wars in the first place. It didn't take any chances. it was a new hope
1: 2.0.
0: Totally. This does take those chances, and in so many ways. I mean, and also with the Luke thing, it's like, it's literally been 40 years since we last saw him. How lazy yeah. would it have been to have him be the exact same person? Sure. And, it's like to- and, so, and it's, it yeah. felt
1: realistic. It felt like, okay, this guy's struggling with some things. He's isolated himself. He still yeah, has very the force, human, clearly. But, yeah, I mean, he's struggling with what it all means and his purpose and the purpose of anything. So, yeah, yeah I liked the way the story and the writing... Uh, sort of flipped a lot of the tropes of the Star Wars franchise on its head and challenged the audience, as you said, and and just made made it an interesting, compelling drama rather than just sort of like a formulaic, uh, a, another Star Wars Empire epic. 2.0 or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, yeah, I mean, are there silly moments in this movie? Yes. Is it too long? Probably. Probably. There's some humor that's unnecessary, that seems forced. Right. Some of the acting may seem stiff, but... It's still just a grand, ambitious, smart, beautiful looking blockbuster surprises, thrills, and challenges in new ways. Some amazing moments. My last thought on this movie is, you know, people are obsessed in this day and age with Twitter (laughs) and the internet of just everything's in a competition with one another. It's like you can't between like the Force Awakens Rogue One and The Last Jedi, it's like you have to pick one. One Uh is better than the other. It's like Here's a take, like, how about they're all pretty freaking good? Yeah, in their they own all specific mean ways. something. They all have their own, their own, yeah. you know, value. Totally, and they all have their own strengths. And yeah. Disney is kind of just killing it across the board with the revitalization, uh, re, you know, revitalizing this franchise. <laughs> all three are really good, and it's Tough okay. Word to you, say can, on a podcast. you can think, <laughs> right, right. Anyway, okay, I'm all hot and bothered. Sorry, now. sorry. Let's let's move on. Yeah, um, we, we but... got some
1: more more movies to talk about here. Totally. I love your passion. I I
0: Yeah. Fully. Star Wars Last Jedi number 8. Okay, okay Rob. All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> how do I how do I follow that up? Um all right, so my you know, number No, it's my number 1. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jumping ahead. All right, my number 8, I'm going with this movie. So this is the one movie that really i sought out after looking at a lot of top 10 lists it's something that popped up a lot and i really didn't know much about so i was like oh i should watch this movie before doing this and it did end up making my list um so it's called a ghost story uh written and directed by david lowry and so this is like just a really so it's 92 minutes it's a short runtime, uh really like straightforward straight to the point although it's a pretty complex story um it's basically about my what i took away from it is david i think david lowry was trying to basically capture or wrap his mind around what it would feel like to be a ghost like to haunt the house not necessarily haunt in the traditional like horror sense but just Mm -hmm. be present in the place where you died or the place that you lived the house that you lived and how empty an existence it would be and how deeply sad it would be and and how helpless you this would is a comedy of, right no uh, <laughs> not at man. all how helpless you would feel in that state and yeah. uh so yeah this movie i'm describing it as beautifully sad like it was extremely sad and very impactful and it really sticks with you i was thinking about it for days afterwards and uh natalie watched it uh, a day after i did and she said the same thing she was like man i just can't get that movie out of my head um and you know it was shot in an interesting way it was shot in this like four by three format uh on film and it had like rounded corners which was interesting uh it it, like light sensitive lenses and it was very grainy images Mm -hmm. and a lot of like stationary shots that just stayed in one place for you know, a two minute shot. Um, let me mention some actors. Uh, Rooney Mara plays the lead and, and um, Casey Affleck, who I don't think it's a spoiler plays the ghost <laughs> um, and actually uh, basically has the sheet over him the entire movie. And it's, so it's this interesting look. It's this traditional look of a ghost, you know, like, yeah, when you're sheet. like five years old. And you're yeah. Gonna be like it's a like, what is Halloween. a ghost? It's white and it has two eyes black eyes you know and that's what that's what this is it's just this sheet that sort of is standing there and and has this hollow existence and is sort of just looking in on on what happens after you die to the people that you love and it's very sad and uh, I really like the soundtrack of this movie there's a really great original song in the movie that you would love I'm sure. Um, it reached some cosmic levels. Uh, it's, it went very deep into, (laughs) I mean, it hit on like something as deep as the cycle of the universe and time and space and fate and what that all means and love. And yeah, I just, it it stuck with me. It's a really interesting movie and I recommend it. Some people definitely will probably say they hated it and I understand that that perspective. Like I could totally get that, but I I just really stuck with me and I thought it was beautifully sad and a really interesting, good movie this year.
0: Isn't there a scene where Rooney Mara eats like an entire chocolate yes. pie? I'm very take?
1: glad you brought that up. Yeah, she does <laughs> this in one take apparently she's a vegan, so she she had them make like a vegan chocolate pie and Basically, she eats most or like half of it just in one shot, and the ghost is just watching her do this. And it's basically like a few days after he died, and it's this depression is sinking in, and she just sits down on the kitchen floor and crushes this pie. Uh, yeah, it's just really, really interesting, and I know a- yeah, amazing I seen acting. This
0: movie, but I know that that scene. I think this like premiered at like Sundance, and that scene has been talked about. Big talking point for sure. Um, But yeah, definitely want to check out Ghost Story. So uh, my number seven is one that we reviewed on an early episode of Must Go Faster, and that is James uh, Mangold's Logan. Nice, his Wolverine movie. So I would say I going into this, I thought I saw the runtime of two and a half hours. I was never a big X Men or Wolverine fan, so Uh I was almost like preemptively like frustrated by the length um and i was preparing myself for this to be overhyped it was getting amazing reviews but i gotta say i was not i was properly hyped uh yeah i thought this was excellent um just uh so different than so many other comic book movies uh that have been made one i mean it earns its r rating it doesn't hold back on its violence probably by far one of the most violent comic book movies that's ever been made yeah and just like the way it treats uh wolverine who's played by hugh jackman of course like his powers is like a nuisance um more than a strength in a way i just Mm -hmm. thought was really interesting you know there's no capes or masks or costumes in this movie it's really just like a gritty action drama it just it's treated very seriously Um, and just extremely well written. Uh, Hugh Jackman's performance he's never been better. I think performance is really just physical and brooding and hard and um you know i think it's worthy of a best actor nomination which i'd be shocked if he got but i think it's at that level i think the character of laura who's played by uh daphne keen uh-huh. um she plays uh, x-23 i thought uh-huh. that was a really great performance she literally doesn't speak for like the first hour and a half of the film and when she does it's in spanish it's just really hard to do that kind of performance without she was really good. talking particularly for like yeah. a child you know yeah and um yeah, I don't know. This movie it's it just stuck with me throughout the year. so this um, was
1: your favorite comic book movie of the year, I take it. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. And yeah. uh yeah, I, I I just I think there's like a black and white cut that you can see now, which oh, I'm really interested in seeing. Yeah. Um but haven't seen it since theaters, but one that's really stuck with me and I remember just thinking, like, wow, this kind of really checked a lot of the boxes on like what a good serious I mean it's kind of, yeah, an interesting comparison with, you know, the Thor movie that you mentioned uh-huh. is kind of they're totally even though they're both comics, kind of opposite. totally different yeah. ends of the spectrum, but I right. think it's an example of both of them. It's like if you go the serious route, like right. Logan is an example of how to do that. If you go the fun, playful route, Thor, you know, Ragnarok is is is, is, is I think the the way to do that. Well so, said, yeah, yeah. Number number seven, that is Logan. Nice. Um, Rob, what is your, what is your number seven?
1: So I'm going with Good Time, mm-hmm. which is, which was directed by the Softy brothers or Safty, um, Benny and Josh Safty and written by Josh Safty and another guy, Ronald Bronstein. Um, this movie kind of had some hype and I went to see it in the theater and I wasn't really sure what to expect. And it was just, a gripping thrill ride experience. Like it, it, from the very jump first 10 minutes are insane. And like, I mean, even the first shot I was, I was gripped by the, the way the camera zooms in on that hotel building or whatever, the whatever Mm -hmm. apartment building. And, uh, it was just this really gripping, stressful, uncomfortable, hard to watch at times experience and felt very original. Um, and, and kind of stuck with me, became, I don't know, very impactful in my, in my head, just reminiscing on, on movies that I saw this year. I was like, well, I have to put good time in there just because it was such an experience, you know? Um, Yeah,
0: definitely a lot of cinematic flair. Definitely. It's like sensory overload.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. It was like, how much can we pack in and throw at the audience without them, like, you know, running out of the out of the theater you know um it was it was just interesting the way you were rooting for the the brother character played by Benny Safdie who is the co-director um to get out from under the control of his brother played by Robert Pattinson um who I thought was great i think this is the best performance i've ever seen him give um and shout out to also the Lost City of Z that he was in he co-starred in this year mm. another great performance he had this year um and yeah i just really enjoyed this movie and uh it's it's an interesting watch it's pretty stressful
0: <laughs> yeah good time is not necessarily. Yeah. It's I, it's I kind said of on the like, previous it's an ironic pod. title on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. was
1: like, it should have been called stressful time, but um, yeah, it's, I'm not sure how many times I'll want to watch this movie, but for an experiential, experiential, you know, film and, and filmmaking uh, endeavor, it was really successful and, and well-made.
0: Nice. So my number six, which I think we're getting into the territory. We've done a good job so far of like, you know, very you know yeah. movies on our list I no think repeats we're, we're about yet. to get into some of the overlap yeah um so my number six is Dunkirk Christopher Nolan I know this. this is pretty high up on your list it right is. yeah do we want to do we want to save the Dunkirk praise for for when you get down to that or, um, or do you want to talk about it now
1: yeah sure why don't we just save it for a little bit higher up on the list
0: that all right all right let's do that but um, yeah number your... six
1: number six for you was was Dunkirk Yes. All right. So
0: share our thoughts when you when you when we link up. Okay. Down the line.
1: So my number six is the Big Sick, uh, Mm. directed by Michael Showalter, and I believe this is your number five. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So we can kind of talk about this together. This is my number (laughs) six. It's your number five. I love this movie, written by uh, or co-written by Kumail Nanjiani and his wife Emily Gordon a uh, very personal story obviously completely about their uh their lives and their their the forming of their relationship and eventual marriage um yeah, incredible true story yeah definitely uh the way the way it was directed was very touching throughout just a uh, very intimate feeling um and the story I won't get into too many details about the story but you know the the big sick is the the wife the girlfriend character played by Zoe Kazan comes down with this illness and is in the hospital and has to be put in a coma and Kumail is dating her or was dating her recently and and is called to the hospital and has to sort of take care of her and then meets her parents for the first time in the hospital while she's unconscious and it's just you know sets up this very dramatic setting and and but also
0: very funny like i think this job just just does an amazing job of balancing out kind of the the comedy and drama i think that's what it it's just this perfect blend it's it also just it never gets like too, like, emotionally manipulative, which I sure. think it could have gone down that path. Good point. And I think a lot of movies, like, struggle with this, uh-huh. especially given the say, you know, a lot of the movie takes place in, like, hospitals, and, you know, it's this very serious illness that mm-hmm. this character has, um, but it just does, an, like, with not going too, just enough to really make you care, um, and it's tender, but it's yeah. also just balance it all with, like, just super hilarious moments. Um, it's produced by Judd Apatow, so it kind of has, like, that hangout vibe yeah a big like ensemble ca- it's like full of comedians there's uh-huh. plenty of scenes at you know stand-up comedy shows and yeah big, like, workshopping material and stuff like Bo that.
1: Burnham and AD Bryant the SNL cast member Aidy oh, Bryant yeah. are two of his best friends and uh, you know fellow comics mm-hmm.
0: and Ray-, Ray Romano and Holly Hunter I was play, gonna say um yeah play their parents Ray Romano I think he'll get a best support I'm, I'm rooting for him to get a best supporting
1: I would love to see that yeah
0: and, you know, the Oscars, they love to do, like, the legacy, uh, you know. I, I don't yeah. know. It could seem like something they would go for. Yeah. Um, Is a there a more likable
1: his... set of parents than Holly Hunter oh, yeah. and Ray Romano? So, yeah, like, right. man, so totally. charming, both of them. And some really great scenes between the two of them and Kumail in the movie.
0: Yeah, I love how Ray Romano's character, It's just, like, so many quotes where he's, like, trying to be funny or say yeah. something poignant, <laughs> and it just, like, falls flat. And he, right. like immediately acknowledges it. And he's just like... Yeah, I don't know nah, what that was going. Like, you know, out, like out stuff. of touch
1: dad stuff. Yeah, I have
0: one quote. I have one quote here, like where he's like, "This is why I don't go online. You go online, they hated Forrest Gump. Yeah, best yeah, yeah. Ever. You know, things like yeah. that. He's
1: like you go on WebMD, you think you're dying. If you know, if you have a cough. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, I think you you saw this movie um, fairly recently. I saw it back yeah. in theaters, and I haven't seen it since. But I just, it, you know, some of the specifics I don't necessarily remember, of like certain scenes. But I just remember having like a smile on my face pretty much the whole time i was gonna say just being really yeah moved by it i was sorry to take your line there no 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 not at all (laughs) yeah so yeah big sick definitely a top 10 yeah i think one for the whole family
1: definitely (laughs) i actually watched it with my family at my mom's house but yeah it like you said the the comic blend with the drama and you know sadness and you know things happening in the story i think that made it made the uh made the comedy really stand out because you were feeling the emotion that these characters were feeling. And I I actually had like tears in my eyes for almost the last 30 minutes of the movie. And, but also at the same time, like a big smile on my face. It was another, one of these happy, sad movies. Um, Yeah, really, really loved this.
0: So Big Sick both on both our lists. I think we're, since things are getting a little jumbled, I think we're at your number, what's your number five? Okay, so yeah, that was my
1: number six, your number five. Okay, so jumping ahead to my number five is Call Me By Your Name, which Mm. is one that you said you haven't seen but want to see. Definitely, yeah, definitely really, really highly recommend it. Um, This movie is directed by Luca... Guadagnino, I believe, this Italian, Sicilian-Italian filmmaker, and I won't get into too many spoilers, just obviously you haven't seen it, and I feel like a lot of the audience hasn't had a chance to see this yet, but yeah. deeply emotional story, coming-of-age love story uh, set in somewhere in northern Italy, uh, which is yeah. literally, literally what it says on the CG at the beginning of the movie uh, is somewhere in northern Italy. Um, Timothy Chalamet amazing he's going to be nominated for best actor high he's chance yeah high chance he wins that um yeah it's based on a novel by the same name it's just it's a story it's a love story about these two boys slash boys/men um who fall in love with each other and i won't i won't say too much more um it actually may have been a little bit higher on my list i really really loved it and and it really made me feel uh quite a bit you know i I, walking out of the theater yeah walking out of the theater was very impactful and just i almost felt like i was leaving italy like i i was in a bit of a trance like i had just been with these characters for a couple hours um yeah
0: i heard there was a pretty like powerful monologue at the end
1: yes yes by michael stuhlbarg uh who plays Mm -hmm. who plays timothy chalamet's elio's father um Mm -hmm. yeah it loved it, man. I think you're really gonna <laughs> like it. And so I know, my one criticism, it. I said it may have been a little bit higher, but um, I thought it could have been trimmed a few minutes. Like there were a couple of scenes or moments that I was like, that didn't really need to be in there. Like kind of just
0: yeah, I kinda it just made it long. long. Yeah, like sort of like a love story, you know? Right. Where it's, like, like I don't think no, it, they could have in it. Yeah, exactly.
1: They sense. could have trimmed a few things, and it w- still would have had the same weight and gravity. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I. Really recommend it and really loved it.
0: Nice, excited to see it. So my that was your number five, right? Yes. Okay, so my number four. Oh hi. Oh it's hi, the Disaster Artist. <laughs> oh hi, doggy. I didn't do the accent there, yeah. but anyway. So this is the Disaster Artist, directed by James Franco, about the rise of the infamous Tommy Wusso. Wazo. I, I've heard different pronunciations <laughs> yeah, of too. that last name, me too. but um. It's about the making of the room, aka the Citizen Kane of bad movies. Um, this had the most laughs of the year. Yeah. We mentioned the Big Sick. I think you know this doesn't have as much of, nearly as much of the dramatic element. Although it's treated, you know, it's not like a total like like a screwball comedy or right. anything. But it's. Um, I thought that just this movie was as good as it could possibly be. Honestly, yeah. Uh, and there wasn't probably thirty seconds that went by without. Me laughing. laughing, and if you're not familiar with the room, like that's okay. My girlfriend had never even heard of it and couldn't stop laughing yeah. throughout. I mean, James Franco, just freaking—it's you know talking about method acting with Carrie and Man on the Moon. Like this is method acting. Like he should get a best actor nomination. Just give it to him. Give him best freaking actor. I don't care. I would Daniel love. Day, who, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I He's would not love gonna to win, see him nominated.
0: Can we just take it again? Try to lose the accent. The rules to the class.
1: myself the
0: it Yeah, it's just the accent, his comedic yeah. timing, the uh-huh. wardrobe. They just nail everything of who this guy was. And in watching this movie, you can really understand why the room itself was made mm-hmm. with kind of this full production crew. Um, yeah. They're just kind All of some like, insightful <laughs> looks. Yeah, and like with kind of, you know, a bunch of the actors at lunch and they're like, they're kind of realizing this is kind of a disaster that they're working on, but they're right. like, "Hey, it's better than not working. It's yeah. a job." And you know, he Checks had are clearing. It, it's amazing that we still don't know where his money came from I to know. fund this, but um, it happened. And great, you know, Hollywood I just mystery, right? And I, I think it's just a really interesting story too about Hollywood and the weird, yeah. um, weird way <laughs> like things can happen there. Uh-huh. And it maybe like one too many scenes of Tommy being like a complete. Nink and poop on set you know like i mean there was like one thing where i was like i don't know if that we needed that one in there yeah but other than that i mean this is it was pretty close to flawless in my mind um, i loved it and yeah the room was kind of a seminal movie for us in college yeah we had our, our friends own the dvd uh-huh. of it and i have some I now I met, own it <laughs> oh you own it you own an yeah. old 4k i the the no I, collection, I don't think blu-ray. they even have a blu-ray i my <laughs> yeah, aunt I
1: actually for christmas got me the dvd it mm. was very nice.
0: Great ant. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out. Um, So yeah, Disaster Artist. I know you were thinking about putting this in your list. Yeah. And didn't quite make the cut, but I think, you know, we both, we both loved it.
1: Definitely. It was number 11, if anyone cares, on my 11 through 25 list. So it was just out of the top 10 for me. Loved it though. All right. So your number four. My number four is actually one that is higher up on your list. So mm. maybe we can do the same thing that we did for, um, yeah for uh dunkirk so it's get out written directed by jordan peele amazing film um it, i know it's higher on your list yeah. so let's save it and talk about it at at that point we'll we'll share that discussion um so what is your number four
0: so well disaster artist was my number four. Oh, sorry what no, is your no, number it's, three it's confusing. yeah so now we're because there's so much overlap so my number three is again down on your list and i know we're excited to talk about it oh boy it's phantom thread it's phantom thread <laughs> do you want to just talk about phantom thread now or do you want to? because we are getting i want to talk yeah, about phantom
1: thread our... forever no forever, just right just <laughs> for the rest of the it, podcast
0: so phantom thread let me just hit some thoughts um and we can kind of do some back and forth so yeah my first thought was after i, I saw phantom thread was albert hitchcock is alive oh yeah and he's in the form of of Paul Thomas Anderson. The yeah. great. The master. So this movie is it's a very simple story of kind of this renowned British dressmaker played by Daniel Day Lewis, um, set in the nineteen fifties. Reynolds Woodcock. Great. Reynolds name. Woodcock. I'm naming Amazing my dog name. Reynolds <laughs> yeah. Woodcock. Um and my son. Uh <laughs> no, it's so it's a he meets a woman who becomes like his lover slash muse that kind of challenges him in Alma. certain ways. Yeah. Oh yeah. And is the only PTA film actually to ever take place outside the U.S. He's usually doing things, particularly in California, but it's a movie about obsession, creativity, devotion. It's filled with these kernels of truth about romantic relationships, and it's just made with such craft. There's so much extraordinary attention to detail, these micro... Like, the shots of, like, food. Like, I got really hungry Mm. eating this movie. Uh I don't know. Like, it just... Yeah. And, you know, the needles through the threads of the dressmaking and kind of just how claustrophobic it feels at times Uh in these creaky interior rooms, these extreme close-ups. Just beautiful filmmaking. Oh, Um, man.
1: The Enchanting.
0: Oh, great word. I, I was gonna say, like, dreamlike state. Yeah. And I think... You know, he really turns up the brightness of the lighting and there's the Johnny Greenwood score. That oh I god having quotes a waterfall of pianos. I don't know <laughs> what that means. That just like is how I how I felt. My bullet um, point
1: says Johnny Greenwood's score should be nominated for
0: best picture. <laughs> right. <laughs> First ever score nominated yeah. for best picture. Um yeah, dreamlike state, just yeah, enchanting is a great way to put it. Daniel Day Lewis, I mean Loses himself as always. If this is his last performance, it's a hell of a way to go Cheers, out. Cheers, man. He has like this yeah. controlled rage. Even the way he like chews and swallows food
1: yes. is like
0: really like enticing somehow um it made me want gray hair he has this like amazing uh, like silver gray hair i've dyed my hair, hair since then
1: i actually <laughs> saw yeah the way he combs it in the beginning oh, oh my god great comb oh uh, i was comb. like his hair is so thick but i, I saw <laughs> yeah. i saw a picture of him yesterday he shaved his head not like fully bald but i was like oh my god man you can't shave that hair you have beautiful locks yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I've read it. So and I'm sure you've consumed this as well, but PTA was on the Bill Simmons podcast about, yeah, yeah. You know, a week or two oh, ago. Oh, I wanted that to be four hours. Him. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he said something. I mean, this is a lot of things, but I, I, one, something that stuck out, um, stood out to me was like, you know, when Daniel Day Lewis, when he delivers dialogue that you've written for him, it sounds like it comes from his brain to his yeah. lips and out of his mouth. Like it's uh-huh. not like he's reading lines, like it's something that, organically happened within him and then came yeah. out and it was just um this was a written in collaboration with paul thomas anderson between mm. him and daniel day lewis uh, like he came up with the character's name i, oh. I read like reynolds woodcock and oh. it was it, it felt like he was almost like a co-director in a yeah, certain way but for sure especially movie, since it's
1: his last quote-unquote
0: or you know he claims it's his last acting performance so mm-hmm. yeah it makes sense that it's very collaborative it's just like strange and funny and total like Paul Thomas Anderson ways. The ending is just like so different and weird and yeah. I don't know. I just like loved that feeling and it it, it made Dude. me like interested in making dresses temporarily. I, I, don't I know, loved
1: like, everything about it. I'll, <laughs> can I? Can we like <laughs> yeah, yeah. move on and and I'll we'll yeah, continue yeah. this later in my list. Is right, that right, cool? Totally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, So that was your number three. My my number three is Ladybird, and oh, I yeah. know this is your number two, correct? Yeah, so let's, okay. let's get into it now. Sure, so we can talk about this together. So, mm-hmm. uh, written and directed by Greta Gerwig, her directorial debut... I'm sure there were some, you know, uh, exaggerations or dramatizations that occurred, but it felt very much like this was a self-portrait yeah, autobiographical. of her yeah, senior year in high school in Sacramento, California. Um, amazing performance by Sh- Saoirse Ronan. Uh, Lori Metcalf is definitely going to be nominated for Best Supporting Actress, who plays uh, Saoirse's mom in the movie mm-hmm. Tracy Letts plays the dad I really enjoyed his performance and just yeah. the comedic elements that he brought to the story uh two great uh young adult boy actors Lucas Hedges and Timothy Chalamet popped up mm-hmm. again um and then her friend her best friend Beanie Feldstein uh that's the actress's name plays a really really interesting fun funny character and yeah, just so many touching moments in this movie, uh, where tears well up in your eyes, and just feel, just were very deeply affecting and well written. And the I just enjoyed the structure of the movie, how it ended. I I loved. Um, yeah. What What do you What were your feelings about it? So
0: yeah, I will say over over Christmas break, um, we were at our friend's place, and I think you said something like if I was a daughter, I would have wept. In the right. In the it's scripture. definitely a
1: mother-daughter uh, story. Totally, But I think
0: it appeals to like every generation in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah I can't imagine anyone like not loving this. It, it weirdly reminded me of three totally different movies and like boyhood, Napoleon Dynamite and Mean Girls in a certain oh, way. And very, I could go yeah. down the path of why each of those three, I mean, if you see it, I think you'll, you'll understand. But um. It's, it's also like a rare movie where it almost – like I didn't want it to to end. Like it almost felt a little too short. Like I yeah. usually think movies but are that's like too nice. long. And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. That's why movies are great. And just the characters are just – um they really grow them throughout this short amount of time mm-hmm. uh, in, in the movie. And they're not like cliche. Like it's not – they're not characters that are seen like black and white. They're just – it's very human. There's a lot of dimensions um, yeah. to them, complex relationships. And just there's a ton of wisdom in this movie. And yeah, I think it was just for ninety minutes. I was just super impressed for how much wisdom they were able to bestow and how much story they were able to tell. Yeah, um, it's about this very specific point in time in America. It's two thousand two, so this is like post nine eleven. Oh yeah, the Iraq War just started. This Dave is Matthews Band. <laughs> yeah Dave matt oh man Crash Into me is played featured uh, by highly. the way that's always been a good song that's played i think three <laughs> yeah. separate times in this yeah. movie um, so funny so funny yeah. when she's singing it <laughs> right right and it's also like before a time period before internet and technology really invaded our lives so yeah it's it, it feels like very old you know what a way even though this was only you know 15 years ago uh-huh. um or so but yeah or is it 15 or whatever? Yeah. My yeah. Name. 15. Right, 15. Um, <laughs> and I would say it's the front runner for, for best picture that didn't call me by your name. Sure. But, uh, yeah. I, I love lady bird.
1: I would love to see this win best picture. I think it's very deserving. It's it's to get to the Oscars briefly. Uh, It's a very interesting year because there really isn't a front runner at all for best picture, which is usually not the case. There's usually at least one or two movies that are like clearly the only options, you know, and there can't be another winner. I, th- I feel like there are five or six movies that could win best picture and I wouldn't be completely shocked. So it's really, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, loved Ladybird. bird. Um, so that was your number two, my number two, which you had at number six is Dunkirk. Yeah. So uh, yeah, obviously written and directed by Christopher Nolan, um, such an artful war film and an amazing experience to watch. Uh, yeah. the the way they he constructed the the timeline uh one week by land one day by sea and one hour by air and the way the stories intersected and impacted each other uh, is just a very unique and inventive structure for a story in a film um such an experience I, I just can't really speak highly enough about how this movie made you feel and and just uh sort of the I was it was all inspiring, like just very, uh, you know, mouth agape (laughs) causing uh, moments. And and yeah, I mean, I think this movie will benefit most out of all these by watching it two or three or four Mm -hmm. more times. Yeah. I just need to wrap my head around the entire structure. I was trying to remember exactly why I loved it. And it was tough because I, I need to watch it again. But I mean, the cinematography was outstanding. The camera work, um, the shots in the air were just astonishing. Like on, on Tom, Tom Hardy's, uh, airplane, Mm -hmm. um, excuse me. The beat shots were beautiful and sprawling and, uh, you know, gave you a sense of what was at stake during this battle you know how many troops were stranded on the beach and yeah uh, i just it felt like a war movie that encapsulated what it must feel like to be one of these people like in in various different timelines Yeah, yeah 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 because like there's no there's there's so much randomness and chance like happenstance occurrences that occur during one of these battles like you're you could have died a hundred times in all these different ways, and you made it out the other side. And we follow a few main characters throughout, and you know the movie starts with him walking through this town, and it's being like air raided, and you know they're dropping all these, dropping those slips of paper about what's happening, and you know I. It was just an amazing experience and just felt like such an art film and which is very unique from a war movie. And yeah, yeah, just really stuck out to me.
0: Yeah, I've done like fury of sound and visual. So this movie, like, so we reviewed this back in the summer when it came out. And I don't know if you remember, but I was, I didn't love it when I first saw it. I, the visuals were mind blowing, but that story structure, um just felt too disjointed and i remember being like i'm at war with myself like i want to love this so much but i couldn't Uh do that so i knew though that like i had to watch this again and upon second viewing the story i I saw it with much more clarity and it it wasn't like a distraction it actually enhanced the movie for me rather than detracted from it Mm. it just really clicked just a really fascinating way to tell a story in these three concurrent parts and I think the air like as you mentioned kind of steals the show the choreography and the scale of what you're watching These yeah. vast open spaces of ocean also the perspective like something that really struck me on second viewing of when the people are on the ground and they're looking at a plane that's like yeah. about to bomb them just like the height of that it uh-huh. was like they're like ex- it's like you almost wanted to cock your head back in a way and yeah, like, yeah. Up. you know it was like Filmed at such this like, I don't know, like jarring angle. And,
1: and a lot of it with 70 millimeter IMAX cameras, you oh, know, the way he, I think, yeah. like just the technical achievement of it. The, there were totally. so many like set pieces and ships that were sunk, like literally actually sunk and, you know, felt, the, yeah, he I got the IMAX cameras strapped to the side of a plane, you know, it's, it's just like such a does. such a remarkable yeah, accomplishment. He's
0: a crazy, he's a crazy person. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it felt like I was in, like, a flight simulator, those scenes yeah, yeah, in the air. Yeah, totally. It was so practical. Um, you know, they used actual planes and naval destroyers and yeah. extras, I think. I read that there were 62 ships during filming, 1,500 wow. extras. Amazing. Um, and it really feels practical in that sense. And there was yeah. also just these really, like, small details that felt fresh and unique of just, mm. like, You know, uh, the soldiers eating like toast and jelly sandwiches. Oh yeah, the the chalk, the white chalk on like the cockpit dashboard to indicate how much fuel is left. Yeah, the foam on the beach. Um, Yeah, just real moments
1: that clearly came from you know some some writing or heavy research of like yeah
0: how it was and the dialogue. I would say is still watching this at home like was hard to hear at times, but other Mm -hmm. than that, this phenomenal movie and I'm glad that I I saw the light.
1: I think that was another technical choice that was made just because it added yeah. to the sense of what the f- is going on around me? Like, how is this happening? And I, don't, I didn't quite hear what you said, but there's no going back and you're like, what did you say? You know, it's just like, it added to the sense of you were in the war with these characters. And last thing I'll say was Tom Hardy's plane running out of fuel at the end oh, and yeah. drifting down to a landing on the beach was just absolutely mesmerizing and the way that Flames. You, you just felt the gravity of what he had just done to save all uh, so many people's lives by taking out the planes that he did and it, it just showed you like how important one pilot and one plane can play in the in the success of a battle
0: totally so okay i think there are two movies left um yes here to round out our list our number so- ones my number one... I'll go number one, and then we can end it with a, a phantom thread gush session. Okay, sounds um, which good. Which I know we started <laughs> premature, but yeah. my number one is get out.
1: You can't move. Why can't I move? You're paralyzed. Just like that did when you did nothing. You did nothing.
0: <sighs> now sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Sink. Written and directed by Jordan Peele, uh like Lady Bird, it feels like it's a movie that was made by a very seasoned director. Like mm. it's incredible that this was each of them their first I think this is the yeah. first movie. Yeah. It Jordan was Peele his directed. directorial debut. Just the confidence. So like it's interesting my top 2 are from first time directors and Yeah. I would say that this was the best movie theater-going experience I've had since 2008, or 2007, uh, The Dark Knight. Um, Uh, That, yeah, in 10 years. Like, this was mm -hmm. so much fun to see with a group of strangers in a crowded theater opening weekend. It's scary, hilarious, surprising. Just a really brilliant idea of a movie. I think everyone knows what this movie is about, so I'm not going to get into that. And it just, it doesn't rely on, like, gore or like cheap gotcha scares it's just yeah. suspense is built through just great pacing atmosphere writing and it just it's so well executed there isn't a wasted moment in this movie mm-hmm. um the cast is great allison williams and Catherine keener are both perfect that whole mm-hmm. family in general like the brother is like i'm rewatching this is like yeah. really good he's like this slimy creep of a <laughs> yeah. brother with like the hair he's like a lacrosse player and stuff. yeah and, yeah bradley and the whitford
1: as the father
0: yeah, yeah, and the lead role as well with Daniel uh, Kaluuya, uh-huh. um, he's awesome. The best friend uh, slash TSA agent <laughs> yes. Rod played Rod. by Larel Howery, the comedic so relief back and forth, and you know just the the third act redemption in this movie. I, I when we talked about yeah. this talked about Get Out earlier in the year it was like right when it came out so we weren't really doing spoilers but I think at this point anyone that really cared I'm gonna say some spoilers about this movie because the third act redemption of Chris I mean that is like fist pump material so good it is just for him to just go to town on this family and the way it all unfolds and how when you've fully when it's fully revealed what this family is up to and why yeah. they're doing it it's just like it's you're rooting so, so hard for him oh, to get out of
1: this scenario yeah, yeah. and get um out. the
0: reveals are just like you know whether it's rose's past boyfriends or uh-huh. seeing you know the black guy in the opening scene at the party and being like oh he's totally oh, yeah. different what happened yeah. to him <laughs> yeah rod at the very end um just great reveals <laughs> uh, shout out to uh allison williams googling uh top NCAA basketball player as well so good fruit loops yeah <laughs> yeah. Wearing a turtleneck. W- yeah
1: with her headphones <laughs> in she looked all relaxed and peaceful like such a such a procedure so it's so haunting light. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so this is the only movie actually on my top 10 that I've seen more than once and I I'm curious I I just wonder if maybe it would have been higher had I not seen it more than once like I still loved it and everything, mm-hmm. but. Um, it wasn't yeah, quite the same. Right now. Yeah, my number yeah, four, the so first... still in my top five. Um, totally. I think, yeah, it.
0: ultimately, what, the biggest reason why this is my number one is like how the elation that I felt during yeah. the moments after seeing it in theater and in then the just the rewatching it. It's just perfect execution yeah even, one of the like best said, theater
1: movies in a long time
0: oh totally it does the story kind of reminded me of like an episode of black mirror and that like, yeah nothing is as it seems this right. mystery that unravels it draws you into this world uh-huh. um even if you're not a big fan of horror movies i would you know go seek it out like it transcends the genre it it's,
1: defies it's, genre really yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, four totally. genres um, right, and no. people were like clapping throughout the you know, oh as so you mentioned the last 10 minutes of the movie there's like the exhilaration in the audience <laughs> and the feel of that like watch it with a group of 10 people if you can you know it's not in the theaters <laughs> try anymore. To obviously the theater yeah experience. try to just like have it's fun you know and it's just interesting and and very unique and Shout out to the usage of uh, Redbone by Childish Gambino at the beginning. I thought that was really cool, and, and it was very uh, poignant and of the of the moment because that album had just come out in February, or uh, when this movie came out in February. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's currently classic. on HBO Go, by the way.
0: Yeah, or shell out the 3 $4 to see one of the best movies of the last 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> give Jordan <laughs> Peele um, some it on, Yeah, it's right. it on Amazon. So yeah. get out. All right, let's do let's end this with Phantom Thread which was my number 3, your number 1.
1: It is my number 1 and I already I, went a little nutso
0: earlier. Yeah. I have a few other things to say but I'll sure. let you lead lead this off to end it. Yeah, but, sure.
1: Uh, yeah. So, um Phantom Thread. So, I real quick uh, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. I wanted to mention that 6 of my 10 movies are written and directed by the same person so a very mm-hmm. good year for you know auteurs and and people who write and direct their films and their mm-hmm. visions so wanted to shout that out but yeah so paul thomas anderson i understand that this movie has not been really released yet except for in new york and la and so yeah, just so happens it. yeah just so happens the two of us live in new york and la so we were able to catch it already and I saw it actually in a 70 millimeter film presentation at the Landmark Theater in West LA, and I was just oh my god, overwhelmed by the beauty of the film. You know, you can really tell when you're watching 70 millimeter film; uh, it just looks and has that feeling of film, and and just I don't know, it it was just beautiful. And if, like you said, if this is Daniel Day Lewis's last performance, I you can't speak highly enough about what he was able to accomplish with this character of Reynolds Woodcock. Um, I was gripped by the entire, it felt like an action movie without action, you know, just like, there's no, you're just like staring at it. Like you you couldn't take your eyes off of it. And there was a lot of comedy to it. Like some people may not, may not dark. Think it's funny. Yeah. Dark comedy for sure. Um, I mean watching watching Alma butter her toast loudly. I mean <laughs> right. that uh, like that's all I'll have to say. Yeah, it's um, that
0: and then the the air fight in like Dunkirk. You know yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah, in in its uh, own quiet intimate way. I was mm. going to point out um a few lines I pulled from from Vulture uh okay. like a pop culture arm of New York Magazine. Just like examples of great writing by PTA, clearly from a guy who's written like seven features by now which he has. Yes you know, saying, I think what he, the line he says when he's, when she's buttering the toast, just please don't move too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I cannot start my day with a confrontation. I said, we right. have no time for confrontation. <laughs> yeah. um, there's uh the tea is leaving, but the inter- interruption is staying with me yeah. right here. <laughs> staying right here with me. And then my favorite line, when they had that dinner sequence, one of the best scenes in the movie where he says, uh, I'm admiring my own gallantry for eating it the way you prepared it. Yeah.
1: the The, uh asparagus yeah. without right, butter right, right. Yeah. i'm
0: admiring my like yeah. admiring my own courage oh what a what a man what a gentleman gem- yeah. yeah right yeah 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 yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah people don't know away, what we're yeah. talking about because no one's seen this movie i know yet, i know but, uh, but uh see, it's know. oh man it's amazing just listen to this portion again after people have seen it but did you catch i there was a uh a stanley kubrick homage i believe uh mm. i took it as that the the way the shots of the car, like him driving on the country roads, yeah. it, it reminded me of a Clockwork Orange and oh, uh, the Droogs driving on those country roads. It may have actually been the same road and that was the purpose of the homage. I don't oh, really? I need to do some more research <laughs> on that and a couple of rewatches. But, well, I think um, yeah, the
0: way the camera was like stationary on the car and yeah. wouldn't move. And actually, it was the first time I'd seen him do shots like that with a mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it was. Whether it's a homage to, to Kubrick or kind of like the old, you know old fashioned filmmaking of yeah. how to do that, and yeah, well, this was a very design.
1: old fashioned feeling movie. It was very slowly oh, yeah. paced, but like I said, felt not so much um, captivating performances. Uh, Alma, who uh, what's her the character's name? Vicky Crepes uh, plays mm-hmm. Alma. Uh, Cyril's character, played by Leslie Manville, was just outstanding and the the dynamic between those two main characters was great yeah can't speak highly about this movie enough um it was so natalie my girlfriend said you were predisposed like you you already thought this was your favorite movie of the year before you saw it
0: you you did text me (laughs) you're like i i have a feeling it's gonna be my number yeah it's it's my number but it was just Just everything
1: like okay yeah it's daniel day lewis teaming up for the second time with arguably not so arguably the best director working in movies, and one of the best ever.
0: And w- what <laughs> happened last time they? Yeah, they got a little together? movie. Oh, called yeah, there they made one of the best which People
1: consider one of the best movies ever made, and I agree. Um, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. What's not to be excited for? Johnny Greenwood doing the score. I mean, yeah. I was, yeah, I was predisposed to, it, and it was. <laughs> right. it, it came through, but it,
0: but it. Yeah, you're an honest man and you wouldn't have put it like I that. I, I was the same way. I was like, I was expecting this to be in my top five and then it delivered, but I'm not lying to my like Yeah, it, it delivered. Yeah.
1: I, I felt like it, I was watching a classic movie that's going to be studied for years, decades to come in film schools and, and the world in general uh, for the first time. So, yeah, I yeah, Phantom Thread, my number one, Get Out, your number one. So let's Great year go. For um, movies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's go through it because I know we did some uh, jumping around. Just the yeah. my ten through one, the post going from ten to one. The post, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, Star Wars: the Last Jedi, Logan, Dunkirk, Big Sick, Disaster Artist, Phantom Thread, Lady Bird, Get Out.
1: Mine, Thor: Ragnarok, The Meyerowitz Stories: New and Selected, A Ghost Story, Good Time, The Big Sick, Call Me by Your Name. Get Out, Top Three, Ladybird Dunkirk, Phantom Thread.
0: Boom. So we've gone long as we've we've uh, underestimated the length as always. We tried not um, to,
1: but man, there's just so much to talk about with movies. Totally. Love movies, <laughs> love, love film. Shout out to, shout out
0: to <laughs> movies. Um, My so, favorite
1: art form right. has been for twenty
0: years plus. Yeah, yeah. Still is. So love it let's wrap things up here um that's it for this episode of must go faster thanks so much as always for listening um as always please remember to spread the word where you can uh this episode as i mentioned at the top um kind of caps off our best of 2017 content so our next episode will kind of be more looking forward to this year or something else that isn't best of 2017 right but uh yeah um thanks for listening
1: And in the words of Catherine Keener as Missy Armitage in Get Out, Now you're in the sunken place.
0: Now you're in the sunken
1: place.